Appreciate it. Amen. Thank you. Hear me okay? Hello, hello. We good? Everybody here? All right. Good evening. Thank you. What's up, everybody? Doing okay? Hey, I say this every single time I get to speak on a Wednesday. The people that come on Wednesdays are the most blessed people in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? You better say amen over that. You better claim that, receive that. Y'all are blessed. Wednesdays are the worst day of the week. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, they're not. In Jesus' name, they're amazing. No, they are. They're hard, right? You done worked all week. You've worked the last couple days. You worked today. You still got a couple more days to go for a lot of us. It's not even close to the weekend. Y'all got 48 hours still. <laughs> it's a rough time. It's hard getting here. We got sports. We got all kind of crazy stuff, schedules going on. So God bless you for being here, man. God is going to bless you for being here. And I just pray that tonight as we get into this message that you just get a new sense of joy unlocked in your life. That's really what I'm hoping for. I've heard the Holy Spirit a lot saying just joy. I texted it to our staff group chat on Sunday. So I feel the Holy Spirit saying joy, that there's joy that's going to be released over this house, people that are in this congregation specifically, because I feel that the world is just lacking it. There's such an emptiness a sadness, a coldness that has just been permeated through culture. And I feel that this house is going to be the cure for that. I feel that the Holy Spirit is going to move through each and every one of us to be the cure for that. When you step into the room, I prayed over us on Sunday. When you step into the room, you won't have to say anything. You won't have to come in there with a sermon. You won't have to come in there singing a worship song. You won't have to do anything. Your presence and God's presence all over you will be enough to just bring joy into the room. And so I pray that over each and every one of us. So tonight we're going to talk about being grateful. Everybody say grateful. grateful. A lot of times we think about gratitude. We think about grateful and we think about like the Thanksgiving version, right? Like, God, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for all these things. But tonight I want to give us a new perspective of the word grateful. And I want to give us perspective that is always filled with gratitude. That's going to be our goal for tonight, is to have a perspective that is filled with gratitude. Does anybody know who that is up there on the screen? If anybody knows, raise your hand. If you know it, you yell it out. Madam Blueberry, anybody know that? Some of you might be too young. Some of you might be too old. Some of you just might not have grown up on VeggieTales. That's okay. Listen, you missed out. First and foremost, you missed out. Because let me tell you something. Some of y'all are laughing. Let me tell you something. Madam Blueberry is one of the most key perspectives and lessons and foundational pillars of how I grew up, of what I know, of who I know Jesus to be, of who I know the Holy Spirit and God to be. This is, oh, yeah, this is OG Veggie Tales. This is like episode three. <laughs> Same the new stuff. This is OG Veggie Tales. Madam Blueberry. It's so, so powerful. If you watch that episode of VeggieTales, show it to your kids if you haven't, but watch it for yourself too. This is for grown people too, because in our culture, in our society today, we lack the perspective of gratitude. And it's allowing the enemy to control the way we move. It's allowing the enemy to control the way we act, the way we treat one another, the way we approach situations, the attitude that we carry on a day-to-day. -day. That lack of gratitude is affected. It's affecting everything. 
And it's sad to see because that's why we're sad. We're not grateful. We're not grateful. We're not able to look at what's been done for us and look at, for, look at the faithfulness that God has shown us and be thankful for it. That's what gratitude is. It's being thankful for something that's already been done. And having the faith of knowing that he's going to do it again over and over and over and he's, his mercies will never change. So Madam Blueberry, it's, it's a great episode of the show. You know, she is like so greedy. She thinks about all the stuff that her neighbors have. She thinks about all the stuff that she has. It's never enough. She has pictures of the things that her neighbors have in her house. It's really funny. And she's like, man, I wish I had those things. If I had all those things, I would be happy. If I had these new pans and pots, if I had this new TV, if I had this new refrigerator, if I had this, I would be happy. Then I would be happy. Then I would be happy that her whole theme song is like, I'm so blue, I don't know what to do. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> At Madam Blueberry, a Costco opens up down the street from her house, and oh man, Madam Blueberry takes off. She goes crazy. She goes in the Costco and she buys everything, and she's just stacking it up, right? Buying everything she could possibly find at Costco, and she gets all of the things that she wants, and she finds out that those things didn't make her happy. And throughout the episode, she sees people with nothing. She sees people who just have a little bit, things that are small, things that aren't as grand as the things that she wants. And they're happy and they're grateful and they have a grateful heart. And she realizes that a grateful heart is a happy heart. And at the end of the episode, she said, I want a happy heart. I don't want all these things. I want what that little boy with no money has. I want that, what that little girl with a slice of pie has, a happy heart. Where do I buy that? And they explained to her that a grateful heart is a happy heart. In church tonight, what I want us to have is a grateful heart. I want us to walk out of here with a grateful heart. That may not seem like you have anything to be grateful for. It may not seem like your situation right now really gives you the opportunity to have a grateful heart. Maybe some of the things that you've done gone through. Maybe the things that you've done. But let me tell you something. Every single one of us has reason to have a grateful heart tonight. Okay? So, a grateful heart equals a happy heart. Everybody say, a happy heart. In Proverbs 17:22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A happy heart is good medicine. Don't you think the world needs some good medicine right now? Don't you think there's some people in your family that could use some good medicine right now? This world needs you to have a happy heart requires you to be grateful. Then it goes on to say, a crushed spirit dries up the bones. How many people know somebody that walks around with a crushed spirit? Oh man, everything's bad, everything sucks. My, my back hurts, my bank account's empty, my, this is going wrong, these people are rude, these people are mean, I can't stand this, I can't stand them, I can't. That crushed spirit it dries up the bones. Makes me think of ashy ankles. Stop walking around with ashy ankles. Y'all saw Pastor Dominic's ankles out a minute ago? <laughs> I, looked at, I looked at Kendall, I said, oh, yeah, his ankles out. He better have lotion on them babies. <laughs> Look, I know, I know I didn't put lotion on. That's why I got these high tops on. I, I wasn't messing around. <laughs> got me messed up. You think I'm going to reference some ashy ankles and not wear, wear some pants? 
<laughs> we can't be walking around with ashy ankles, man. The world needs good medicine. A happy heart, a grateful heart, a heart filled with gratitude fixes your attention on heaven, and it fixes your attitude and your ability to be used. When you're, gra- when you're grateful, when your heart is filled with gratitude, it fixes your attitude. It fixes you even being able to think certain things. You're not even able to comprehend certain emotions, certain feelings, things that want you to be negative. The enemy's pull for you to be negative. When your heart's filled with gratitude, that pull will be non-existent. And when he tries it, you'll be like, nope, sorry, I'm good. My heart is focused on heaven and allows you to be used. Gratitude is the key that unlocks heaven's favor. We see it over and over and over in the Bible. We see it with Daniel. He was being persecuted, threatened with death, thrown into the lion's den. He gave thanks to God. He said, thank you. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for always protecting me. I know who you are, and my heart is fixed upon you. What happened? He got the favor of heaven. He was safe. Jonah, in the belly of the fish, gave thanks to God. He was safe. Jesus, before he fed the 5,000, he said, thank you, God. Before he died on the cross for us, he had the last supper. He said, thank you, God. And over and over and over and over again, that gratitude unlocked the favor of heaven. That's what we got to do, church. That's what we have to walk around with. That's what our heart has to walk around with. Don't you want the favor of heaven over your life? Amen, right? We got to walk around grateful. One thing that gratitude does, gratitude does a lot of things in our heart, but one of my favorite things that it does is eliminates comparison. Gratitude kills comparison. Everybody say comparison. Say, ew. Comparison is nasty, man. Comparison, that's a heavy weight. It's a heavy weight to carry, and it will destroy your life. If you are not able to be grateful for what God has given you, the correction he's given you, the position he's put you in, the responsibilities he's placed upon you, and you're worried about everybody else around you, you won't be able to be used. You won't be able to grow. He won't be able to grow anything in you. You can look all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 4, you had Cain and Abel, right? They both brought a sacrifice to God. Cain was working the livestock. Abel was, er, opposite. Abel was working the livestock. Cain was working the crops. Cain brought his offering of the crops. Wasn't that good. He gave him, like, the little apples and the, the decent stuff, right? He didn't give him the best. Abel walks up, he brings this fat sheep and this big old cow and the biggest he could possibly give, the best he could give to God. And God tells him, he says, look, I'm pleased with that offering, Abel. Thank you. But Cain, you didn't give me your best. You didn't give me your best. You didn't offer it up to me. You got to go back and do better. And Cain had a choice in that moment. He could say, okay, I'll take that correction and I'll do better next time. And he warned him. He said, you better be careful with that spirit you're walking around with, that attitude you have right now, the weight of that comparison that you're walking around with right now. You better go back and fix it and come back better next time. We all know that's not what Cain did, right? He came back and he killed Abel. 
After he killed Abel, God said to him, this is in Genesis 4. If you want to go read it, you should. He came back and he told Cain. He said, listen, because of what you've done, you'll work the fields to the day you die and you will not be able to get anything from it. You will not be able to produce a crop from it. And he'll be a wanderer on the earth. How many of us have heard of compacted soil before? Maybe if you've tried to garden, maybe if you've tried to do any type of farming, growing. Compacted soil can occur from weight being on top of the soil. Whether it be people parking their cars, too much foot traffic, construction vehicles. But when the soil becomes compacted, it can't be used. And it takes years, potentially a lifetime, to get it back to where it needs to be to be able to grow and produce fruit or produce any type of crop. This is what God was talking about. He said, because you let the weight of comparison drive you to do that, you'll work this field and you'll work this soil and you'll work this compacted soil, but you will never produce a crop. In church, we better check our hearts. Right now, in Jesus, close your eyes. In, right now, in Jesus' name, like you said in Jeremiah 17, God, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Check our hearts. Test our minds, God. Remove any comparison. Allow us to fix our gaze on heaven and you alone and be filled with the gratitude of what you've done. Not worried anything about what somebody else got going on. Amen. Church, we can't walk around with that weight. That weight of comparison will turn you into compacted soil that cannot produce fruit. And you'll sit there and work it, just like he told Cain. You'll sit there and work that soil. you try to fix it. You'll try to continue to plant seeds. Maybe you come to church and people pray over you. They pour into you. You go to life group. you got amazing people around you telling you you're great. You're going to do amazing things. But if you keep that weight of comparison on your shoulders, your soil will stay compacted. And you can sit there and work it and get poured into all that you want, but until you decide to be grateful and focused on heaven, you ain't going to produce any fruit. Some of us might be in that place right now. We're going to get rid of that tonight in Jesus' name. So, comparison. It's nasty. Don't do it. Next one is give me a happy heart. Everybody say, give me a happy heart. Does anybody in here want a happy heart? Yes? Give me a happy heart? Okay. We're going to talk about how to get a happy heart. How to be grateful. Give you some practical steps. First one is being thankful for our gifts and our responsibilities. Being thankful for our gifts and our responsibilities. Can I be real with you all this evening? Because this actually was a message that I prepared for DSM, which is tomorrow night, which I'm going to be preaching it tomorrow night too, but at DSM I get very real. I tell, like, my feelings. I tell my stories. Because, you know, teenagers don't like this, like, performance showtime stuff. And I don't either. But I, will, I, I really tell it to you the way it is. So I'm going to be real with you if that's okay this evening. So <laughs> when I was living at home, going to college and working a job, I used to serve tables. One of the biggest things that used to irk me about serving tables was my coworkers getting to take a smoke break. Bruh. That, 
We'll be in the middle of dinner rush, working, serving tables. I'm running around, doing my thing, trying to get this work, like doing what I need to do, get these tips, going from table to table, passing things out, doing this work. And my coworkers would be like, oh, I need to take a smoke break. And they would be allowed to go. And then I would have to take extra tables while they were outside chilling for 20 minutes. And it used to make me so mad. Like, it would, I still think about it. It kind of boils me up a little bit. It used to bother me so much. Like, bro, what? How, how come? That? And, you know, I would think in that moment, I'd be like, man, I, ought to, I, I should start smoking. Like, <laughs> that's literally what I thought. I, was, I should start smoking. They get to take 20-minute breaks in the middle of the busiest time of the night. I should start smoking cigarettes. This is messed up. That's so crazy, right? Fast forward like two years ago-ish, I kind of had some of these same thoughts in my head. I was working at the church, and there's no smoke breaks at church on the North Coast, just to be very clear. <laughs> there's no smoke breaks here. But the equivalent to that was having a kid and a wife. And I didn't have those things. I still don't have those things. And it's okay to want those things. I do want those things. But the reason was not good in this certain scenario. So I was sitting there thinking... And I'm working hard. I'm doing this. I think I went to jo- doing Joshua Kids Camp, made a bunch of videos, had to come back and do something else, do kids' church, run this, run that. And I was like, man, this is messed up. I got to do all this stuff. And other people aren't doing all this stuff. And their excuse is they have a kid. It was like every single time. It's like, oh, you got to go here. You got to go there. Make sure you go pick up the vans. Make sure you do this. Make sure that. And then they'd be like, oh, no, they're not here. They have a kid. It's like, what? <laughs> and I was like, man. I should have a kid. <laughs> I was like, you know what? This is, maybe that would be nice. If I had a kid, I wouldn't have to be working as hard. Just like the cigarette people, smokers and, and parents. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And God slapped me on the back of the neck. What? <laughs> he said, stop wasting time looking for reasons to stoop as low as people around you. Stop wasting time not paying attention to the gifts and responsibilities I've given you. I've given you gifts. He's given each and every one of you gifts. Things that only you can do. Perspective that only you have. Responsibilities. Whether the world wants to tell you this is the truth or not, you have responsibilities and it goes way beyond just making yourself feel good. All these people around you, all these coworkers, all these family members, those are your responsibility. That volunteer sheet in this house, that's your responsibility. And you feel it in your heart. And it's hard. We try to ignore it, right? We try to look for ways to get around it. Well, maybe if I could be like them, I just wish I could be like them, and then I wouldn't have to do all this work. Stop wasting your time trying to stoop below your calling. God has given you gifts and responsibilities, and you better be grateful for it. You better be grateful for each and every opportunity you get. You better be grateful for that hard work. You better be grateful for that ability to even create the thing that he's put in you. Especially when it's hard and you feel like you're the only one who can do it. Great. You're more equipped than everybody else. Amen. Thank you. The next one is being creative with what you have. Some of you may or may not know Pastor Tina. She is the, my grandmother, and she has eyes from heaven 
and the perspective of heaven that everything she looks at, there is nothing lacking. She never sees the lack. She never sees the nasty. She never sees what's missing. She never sees what's wrong. She only sees what can be used. She only sees what can be done. And I love that perspective with her. I think that going to Haiti and living there, a lot of her perspective was passed on to me in that way. Because I would see something, and I wouldn't see the nastiness. I wouldn't see the poor. I wouldn't see any of that. I'd say, oh, what do we got here? What can we work with? How can we create something with this? What can we make with what we got? And that's what we have to live with, right? We have to live and look at what we have and be creative with it. I used to do a show on my stories. It was called Struggle Meals. (laughs) And (laughs) some of you might have seen it back in the day. Yeah, I was good. It was a really good show. But Struggle Meals was basically a concept where I would get home at like 2 in the morning after working and there'd be nothing in the cabinet to eat, right? There'd be nothing to eat in there that was like prepared. But I would be like, okay, the, the whole like catchphrase of the show was, I'm going to be creative with what I have. Struggle Meals isn't about what you don't have. It's about being creative with what you do have. And so I would open the kitchen, the fridge. I would open the cabinets. And I would put together some of the craziest, nastiest concoctions. Like, <laughs> and I would make a meal out of whatever we had. And it was, it, they were pretty bad. Some of them, some of them, <laughs> some of them were really disgusting. But the whole principle of it was not focusing on what wasn't there. And focusing on what was. Focusing on what you got. Maybe you don't have all the money in the world. What you got? Work with it. Maybe you're not amazing and talented at everything. What are you good at? Be grateful for that thing and work it. Focus on what you do have. Focus on what God has given you. Because he'll use it. If that's what you're focusing on, if that is what you're grateful for, and you're not comparing, you're not over here trying to find ways to live beneath your calling, you're not trying to find ways to get out of it, he's going to use that. Every time. And the final way is finding your dignity in heaven. When you find your dignity in heaven, you can be grateful always. A lot of times we get our identity mistaken with our dignity. Our identity, things that we've done, things that we have, mistakes, past mistakes, things people say about us. And if we're not careful... The enemy can trick us into saying all of that is what makes you valuable. The things that you have, the money you have, the money you don't have, the house, the car, the family, the happiness, all those are the things that make you valuable. That's what the enemy will tell you. And if you're not careful, you'll start to believe it. Maybe what people say about you. Everybody thinks I'm amazing. Everybody thinks I'm great. Everybody knows me for doing amazing things. Everybody knows me for being creative. Everybody knows me for this. That makes me valuable. Maybe on the flip side, everybody thinks I'm a loser. (laughs) Everybody hates me. That makes me determine my value. I'm not valuable because of that. Maybe things you've done. I've done horrible things. I've made so many mistakes. I've done great things. I've achieved so much. 
That makes me valuable. Those are all lies. Our value and our dignity is found in heaven and God and him alone. That's it. Doesn't matter if we did the best. It doesn't matter if we did the worst. Doesn't matter if we're so rich or so poor. It doesn't matter if everybody thinks we're great or everybody can't stand us. It does not matter. Our dignity is found in him. In him alone. And when you live with that understanding, when you live with that understanding of being prideful, is thinking too high or too low of yourself, and placing your value of yourself in anything other than God, when you live with that, you can be grateful. You can say, God, you have done so much for me. You have changed my life. I don't care what I have. I don't care what I've done. I don't care what other people think. All I care about is you and what you've done, what you think, what you've given me. I'm grateful for it. My heart is so filled with gratitude that it brings me joy. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, good or bad. Pray continually. Always be in communication with him so that you know where to find your value, that you can hear his voice when the enemy starts to try to pull you and make you think that you're your circumstance or you're the mistake that you made or you're the great things that you've done or the bad things, or the, all of that crap. You gotta be able to know and hear his voice. And he has to be able to pull you back. And say, no, 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 you need to be grateful. A grateful heart is a happy heart. A happy heart is good medicine to this world. That's what this world needs, is you to be, have a happy heart. I know that sometimes it's hard because things happen, we make mistakes, Life goes on, right? We go through it. It's a Wednesday. Wednesdays are tough. <laughs> Maybe some of us in here are struggling, man. Maybe you had some things happen to you that weren't fair. We have to be grateful. You have to be grateful. Because he already paid for it, one. And because that gratitude will unlock the favor of heaven. That thing that you're, you feel like you need, that get out of jail free card, that money, that house, that family, that break time when you're trying to serve tables. That thing you're looking for. If you will just posture your heart and be grateful. He'll unlock the favor of heaven. And release you from it. I want to give you a practical way of just aligning yourself and opening your heart to be grateful tonight. This is something that I do. Anytime I preach, it's based upon things I have to work on. But I'd like everybody to stand to your feet, and I want to give you a practical way tonight to just have a grateful heart.
Like I said before, the lie of the enemy will, get, will be to get you to focus on these things that'll make you ungrateful. That comparison, that jealousy. Focus on the things you've been through. Those are his tactics, those are his lies, and that's where he's going to try to attack you. And it won't be in areas that are going to be easy for you to deflect. Best believe he's going to go for that area that you struggle with. Because he's not doing his job if he's going over some stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm really great at basketball. You're a horrible basketball player. He's not going to try to say that to you. <laughs> your family can't stand you, but your family actually loves you. That's, that's not what he's going to do. He's going to poke at that insecurity. He's going to poke at that spot that really does hurt. But tonight, what you can do, and what I encourage you to do every single time that the devil tries to come at you, is to just close your eyes. Maybe the current circumstance is a little bit too difficult to find gratitude for what's going on right now. Maybe the current situation is a little bit too much for you to find gratitude. So what I want you to do right now is to look back. Look back. Because we're going to look at our life and we're going to look at the things that he's done for us and the things that he's brought us through. And we're going to rejoice in the good and the bad. Look back at your life. Think about it. Really think about it. Really look back and say, God, thank you. Thank you for bringing me through. God, as I sit here and I think about all you've done to get me to be right here in this position, I can't help but to be grateful. As I look back at even the circumstances that even get me here, God, I thank you. I thank you for giving that teenage girl the confidence in the favor to look at me as a blessing and not a burden and to not go through with that decision. I thank you for the times growing up when we ain't really have that much. When the kitchen was closed and Dominic wouldn't let us sleep on the bed and me and Dion had to share the floor. I thank you. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for all the things that you've taught me, Lord. For the perspective of heaven that you've given me. That showed me that cultural differences and racial differences were building blocks for bridges by going to a high school where I was a minority. God, I thank you for giving me the eyes of heaven that my grandmother had and giving me the legacy to be able to look at Haiti and see the beauty, to see more than poverty, to see them as more than a tool for conviction to raise money, but to see the beauty, God. God, I thank you. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for you bringing me through that time when I lost my friend and my dog. I thought I lost everything. And you didn't go anywhere. And you set me new purpose. God, I'm grateful for the ambition that you've given me for ministry, God. 
the pull on my heart that makes me work as hard as I can for this. God, I thank you for this opportunity to minister. God, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the sacrifice that you made. I'm grateful for your mercies that are new every single day. I'm grateful for the salvation that I didn't deserve. God, I thank you. Tonight, church, I just want to remind you that no matter what you're going through, no matter what has happened, no matter what you've done, no matter what you got, you have a reason to be grateful because he's with you. He never leaves you. He's never going to forsake you. He died for you. And he loves you unconditionally. And every time the enemy tries to creep in and say otherwise, you close your eyes and you look back. And you make a list. And you list off every single thing, good and bad. Because even if it was bad, you're still here. And you don't learn something from it. And that gratitude will give you the keys to unlock heaven's favor in this moment and be the medicine that this world needs. So tonight, as we close, we're going to sing this song together. And the lyrics are simple. It just says, thank you. It says, I choose this day to be grateful. So I want to invite you to come forward, move forward, step forward, come to the altar tonight as we get ready to get out of here. Maybe you walked in here with a heart that wasn't very full of gratitude. <laughs> Maybe you have good reason to. Maybe the circumstance really sucks right now. I feel you. Maybe you've been going through it. But in this moment right now, let's realign. Let's fill our hearts with gratitude and say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. Thank you for bringing us through it. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for giving me the responsibility. <laughs> Thank you for the gifts you've given me, God. Use them. Use them to the fullest. So I'm going to pray and we're going to sing and we're going to get up out of here. But I just want to say thank you for being here tonight again. Thank you for allowing God to move. And I just pray that he gives you perspective from heaven right now. God, I just pray that this room will just be filled with your joy. That as we worship, as we sing this song, Lord, that the perspective of the people in this room will be so laser focused on heaven that they will have no room for darkness. There will be no room for comparison, God. There will be no room for searching on how to get out of their calling, God. That they will be grateful for their gifts, Lord. Be grateful for their responsibilities, God they will be focused on being creative with what they do have and not even think about what they don't have in Jesus name and I pray that they will find their dignity in heaven that they will find their dignity in you and you alone not in the things that they've done not in the things that they have Lord but in you father that you are speaking to them and that they are rejoicing right now even in the bad circumstance even in the brokenness God they are rejoicing Lord thank you Jesus Give you praise with an open heart. 
waking up to So 
It's my joy to thank you. Thank you and you alone. Waking up my soul. It's my joy to thank you. Thank you. It's my joy. Yes, it's my joy to thank you, thank you, it's my joy, it's my joy, it's my joy to thank you, thank you, God, we are grateful for all you've done. And we stand firm on the understanding that you are here with us. Through the ups and downs, through the good and bad. And we have so much to be grateful for. Lord, help us to always have the perspective of heaven each and every day when we wake up. Help us to choose to be grateful every morning. I thank you for your presence, God. I just pray that the spirit of comparison has no place in this room, has no place in this church, it has no place over this body. That we will have good soil is ready to produce fruit for you God that the gifts and the responsibilities we recognize in this room God they will be stewarded well Lord we are grateful and we love you in Jesus' mighty name Amen I just want to remind everybody to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. We'll see you on Sunday.